Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Steel Target Paint Podcast. I'm Jeff Jones, and of course, my partner on this podcast is... Hey, I'm Steve Foster, everybody. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing great, Steve. You been able to shoot much? Oh, absolutely. You know why that is, don't you, Jeff? Um, does it... You've got ammo. I don't know. That's it. You've got ammo and you've got guns. That's got to be it, right? And, and I'm not sure if our guest knows. Does he know? I don't know. You tell do you, him, do you know okay. the running joke on? Uh, okay. But for everybody who's watching the video, if you haven't already figured it out, and for those listening, uh, we have a very special guest with us today, um, Scott Volkwartzen from Volkwartzen Firearms. Welcome, Scott. Thank you guys for having me. I'm looking forward to it. So, do you know what the running joke on our podcast is? Have you, have you, I do not. It, it's that Steve has a home range and I don't. I just want to make sure you know, Scott, because <laughs> everybody else does. <laughs> okay. Now, the absolute funniest moment on this podcast was um, I'd gotten a package, oh, I'd gotten a Wyland oh, chassis, and yeah. uh, Steve engraved it for me. And I opened it up and, and I put it together, but there was this little vial. It looked like copper shavings in it. And I'm like, <laughs> what is this? And long story short, uh, one of the guys that uh, trained with Steve uh, and Steve concocted this idea and they actually sent me part of Steve's home range. So I, I didn't want to, I didn't want him to be left out, you know, you, you blame me. Well, at least he was of, thinking of you. Yeah. I have part yeah. Of, and, and of course, like I, I joke that what Steve doesn't know is when, when he wasn't looking, I left a little part of myself in the back corner of his range. So uh, we're even. <laughs> Scott, I don't think he's kidding either. Hopefully that's not what he put in the vial and sent back to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Scott, I thought that was our secret. <laughs> well, you know, um, let's get right into uh, what we're talking about here. Um, Steve, you reached out to Scott and, and got him on a podcast, and, and there was a big reason why you'd hoped he'd come on. Why don't you take it from here and let our uh, listeners know uh, what's going on? And for everybody, before Steve picks up, um, we are video recording this podcast. It will be on uh, the rangestore.net YouTube channel if you want to see uh, their great looking faces and, and my ugly mug. So uh, you can go there. <laughs> well, there's a couple of reasons. <laughs> That's why people tune in, Jeff, just to see you. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, our listeners may go down since we're doing the video, but... <laughs> We'll have to do the analysis after all this. So. Well, I've known Scott for uh, for a few years. I used to shoot with uh, one of his team shooters uh, over here in uh, in Griffin, and I've met Scott a couple times. But you know, out on out in Shot Show and at the NC um, NSSF now the Rimfire Challenge uh, World Shoot, and I've got a pretty long commute for the last couple of years to and from work. I drive about an hour one way, an hour and a half the other way, and so I'm always looking for podcasts and. And certainly uh, have a pretty good social media presence. So I saw Scott post that he's got a, a new podcast called No Excuse to Miss, Well, Courts and Firearms. I was like, what is this all about? And Jeff, I listened to, I think he's got two episodes. You know, there's a teaser kind of episode, but there was two episodes out. And they were, it, it was exceptional, you know. And, and it wasn't just, you know, just about firearms per se. It wasn't, hey, try this uh, Volkortz and Mamba because it's great. It, it wasn't about any of that whatsoever, which I thought was really, really interesting. So he's had a couple of really cool uh, guests on that really just sucked me into the story. So 
So I reached out to uh, Scott and we've talked several times about, you know, Scott's leadership and presence in the uh, firearm industry. You know, anytime that I've reached out to Scott for, uh, you know, uh, supporting some matches or any matches that I'm go, go to, you know, Scott more so than a lot of companies, he may not be at every single match, but he does a fantastic job um, giving back to the community. And so uh, the Steel Target Paint family really appreciates that. So glad to have you on, Scott. Let's let's dive a little bit into your podcast. Talk to the listeners that haven't um, haven't heard about it yet, what what you want to accomplish with the podcast and when they can go find it at. Okay. I am a... I'm a big fan of podcasts. I'm like you that anytime I'm in the car, I'm listening to different podcasts from all genres, trying to find whether I can learn something, be entertained, whatever it might be. So I decided I want to do a podcast, but you're right. I didn't want to do it just about here's our latest finish we're putting on this compensator. You know, there's a time and place for that, but they can go to our website and we can do, you know, different marketing things around that. What I wanted to do with the podcast was bring on people who I found interesting. Uh, We've been able to make some great connections and network with some, you know, people with great stories over the last 10, 15 years. So I wanted to bring them on. And a lot of them have stories related back to, you know, I met them through the shooting industry. Sure. But they might not on the surface look like what we would consider as a quote unquote, industry insider. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a, you know, and I always talk about like, I love being involved in the competition world, you know, watching, you know, you guys shoot, watching our shooters and just the whole camaraderie that that shooting community brings. But I think to the outside world, there's a gap that we can bridge because before I ever went to my first match, which was probably 10, 12 years ago, it can be like a very intimidating thing if you don't know what's going on. Oh, most definitely. Mm -hmm, For sure. So that's where I thought, you know, if we can kind of bridge that gap between like the recreational shooter, the competition shooter, you know, the, the shooter that may not look like what we a lot of times envision a shooter to look like, and then hear their stories and just see what, how they got to where they're at now. Because, I've said this on a couple of different podcasts. One of the biggest mistakes I made when I kind of got involved with running our company is I would always hear like other people's advice and different things. And I'd always shut it out thinking, well, our industry is different or our business is different. And the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that it's all business is pretty much similar. It's a matter of connecting with people. And so that's what I wanted to do with the podcast is kind of, you know, bridge that gap and just connect with different people. And, you know, I've learned a lot from listening to different podcasts. So try to maybe bring some of our customers, listeners into uh, and allow them to learn from the same people. Sure. Sure. That's great. So what's the name of the podcast, Scott? It's called no excuse to miss, no excuse to miss. And where can people find this? It'll be on all the platforms. We initially had it out on, so we released the first couple episodes and then we had an issue where it wasn't being pushed to all the different, um, different platforms. So at that point, our marketing director and myself decided, okay, 
let's turn this over to the professionals and let them handle that part of it, the production part, pushing it out and all that stuff. Because for better or worse, I don't know if it's a strength or a weakness, but when I do something, I go all in on it. So I'm like, if we're going to do this, I want it to be kind of like the same mindset we use with our products where I'm going to go all in on it and want it to be the best product we can put out there. And the only way we could do that, because I didn't realize how much time, like the editing, the... Oh, yeah. Oh, ask Steve about our first episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we've know, we've I, been lucky. We've, got, we've gotten better over the years, but I think, I think Steve spent twice as long as we recorded editing it because most of the the uh the podcast was well um uh yeah um uh <laughs> so so scott how i how i curbed that behavior is i started charging five dollars for every um that he said and I was <laughs> all right carry on sorry to interrupt you no i was just gonna say yeah because my thinking was okay we re- record the podcast we download it we push it out and we're good to go <laughs> yeah but i after doing even just a couple episodes, you know, I was informed that there's a whole lot more that goes on the back end. And probably a lot of it is taking my ums and ands and all that out of it. So in a couple of weeks, we will, it'll be pushed to all the platforms again. We are switching services that does that for us. Because our goal is we want to be able to do like a weekly podcast. And it was just going to be too much to, especially as we get into the fall and we get into our busy time with SHOT Show around the corner at that point, it was going to be too much for our guys to be able to do all the production and editing on that in a timely fashion. Right. No, most definitely. I mean, this is the one thing, and it sounds like your podcast is is similar to ours in that it's it's a podcast of passion. Uh, you know, you're not looking at getting. I mean, you wouldn't turn away a million listeners, but you're not trying to get a million listeners. This is about just getting information out uh, to the community and and enjoying doing it. And that's why Steve and I do this one. Uh, it's just about you know we get to talk to cool people like yourself, and and we get to talk shooting and joke around with each other and, and, and just have fun and, and realize that that's, that's what we do. And, you know, now from your perspective, I mean, the firearms uh, business is, is, is an industry at your livelihood. Um, and again, but we always go back to where, what Steve and I do shooting steel challenge, shooting some USPSA rimfire challenge. It's just a game, you know? And, and so there's a different perspective there. Neither one's right or wrong. Um, but again, I think when you put, when you do something that you're passionate about, as you pointed out with, you know, going all in, it's enjoyable, no matter how hard it is, it's enjoyable, you know? Um, and I think that's something that, especially in our industry, sometimes we forget is what got us into the shooting to start with. Is it being fun? Mm -hmm. You know, it's easy to get caught up in the politics and the, you know, sometimes there, you know, different drama, different matches. But I think sometimes it requires us to take a step back and be like, you know, even a bad day on the range is <laughs> better, better than most day other work. days. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And so a lot of times that's what we even try to, you know, convey in our marketing is it is fun. And especially with us doing rim fires, it can be fun for the new shooter, for, you know, whoever it may be. It doesn't have to be so serious and intimidating. 
you know, which is why like the Rimfire Challenge when it first came about was great for us because it did allow us to get involved with a lot of new shooters. And now, you know, like, especially like the Steel Challenge, it's crazy some of the times that these guys have practiced and worked on and been able to put down. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. I'll tell you a funny story talking about that. Uh, they just had the Area 5 Steel Challenge Championships, and I go to practice score, and I pull up the scores, and there's, there's one of the top shooters, Grant Kunkel, and it's got a score as a 46. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, why we got to get in the-? And then I looked, and they threw an outer <laughs> So it was only a seven-stage match. There was no outer limits. I'm like, okay. <laughs> he's. Well, I think it was after the world match, though, that he said that he thinks he can go yeah. under 50. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it, it's crazy. And, you know, uh, let's throw a little props at uh, now one of your employees, uh, but definitely one of your sponsored shooters and what Colby Pavlock has done over the years. Um. Um, I'm writing an article and I, and I won't allude to the article, but he actually won six world championships as a junior. Yeah. And there were actually not enough junior shooters to give him the junior championship as well. <laughs> he just, yes. he just, he just got the world championship, you know, no big deal, but um, <laughs> yeah. And, and uh <laughs> I think he blew everybody's mind. And I actually wanted to ask you about this. I think he blew everybody's mind. Steve, was it last year or two years ago where he came to the match with the fully adjustable Volquartz and stock that weighed like 37 pounds? Is that all it weighs? I thought it was more. <laughs> yeah. I first Scott, I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. And you know, I am. And, and I'm, I'm a kidder, but compare, it is, it is one of the heavier stocks. A lot stocks. of people shoot. It is. <laughs> Yeah. It may feel like 37 pounds compared to what everybody else is shooting. Yes. So, and that, that was that actually one of your precision stocks? Cause I've seen similar stocks like that on your website before. And it seemed like it was more for a precision shooting discipline than it would be say a steel challenge. Yeah, that is for, that's one of our bench rest stocks. And he okay. was still living in Idaho when he asked for us to send that to him. And I thought when we did it, he was just building up a bench rest rifle just for, you know, to go out and shoot. I never expected him to compete with that. Right. And it was funny the first time he brought that because a lot of people are like, well, you, there goes your chance of winning. <laughs> and he, it didn't take him long. And they're like, wow. Oh, then we had other people. They're like, do I need to go heavier? I'm like, I don't think that means you have to go heavier, <laughs> yeah. you know, it does tell me a lot, though, that a lot of times people may spend too much time tweaking equipment equipment when they could spend a oh. well, not now with ammo, but instead of spending more time on the range like he does mm -hmm. or he did back in the day, they spend so much time analyzing and going over equipment. I think by him doing that, he basically proved that if you have talent and you put work in, it doesn't always have to be the lightest or the latest product that's out there steve you know, and i have talked I, I, about this and and you can't buy your game you can't buy your game you can buy quality which will help your game okay there are definitely uh and we're not going to disparage any platforms out there but there are definitely some manufacturers that don't produce a gun that's going to go bang every time 
Okay. And there are ammo manufacturers that don't produce ammo. That's going to go bang every time. So you can buy quality, but you can't turn a B shooter into a master or grandmaster by putting a $3,000 gun in their hand. It's- oh, and Colby reminds me of that all the time that I am the perfect example of that. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you have sound like something. He goes, you have that doesn't sound like something you, you would say. <laughs> oh no, not at all. Not Colby. No, not at all. Uh, I get, so, a, I so- get a kick out. Of, I get a kick out of with Colby at the matches now because I, I look at him and I go, "How's it feel to be an old guy?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> I he just well, need to get a couple kids. <laughs> That's what I like about being like, he's so good natured. We can go back and forth. Oh yeah. And I mean, let's face it. He can kick my butt on any day of the week on any range we step on. But when he came back from the world speed shoot and I saw that some other kids had beat him, I'm like, so were you shooting a single shot down there? Or (laughs) I said, what was going on? He still finished like third or fourth or whatever. But yeah, yeah. he's like, really Scott? I'm like, well, I'm just asking. (laughs) <laughs> but the, the running joke in the shop is when's he going to build his next mechanical division rifle and, <laughs> hey you know what's you know what's funny i just sold him a centerfire revolver <laughs> yeah and that's why i asked him i said you so you can't compete with the fast kids anymore you got to switch to revolver <laughs> wait a minute and so, the 929 so, steve you sold yeah, him the 929? yeah i, I told him at worlds you had that gun and might, no, no, might no, be no. interested in selling it yeah, but here's the thing. You should have saw the desperation in his face. <laughs> I mean, he got like a nothing place trophy or plaque. I think it was, I don't know. I don't even know what it was. It was like a keychain maybe they gave him. And maybe a participation. Tra- I don't know, Colby, what was it? So anyway, he said, man, you got a revolver? I'm like, well, you got a Pogey out there. And okay, well, yeah, I got one. He said, man, I'm thinking I'm going to start shooting that. I said, man, these kids are getting kind of fast, aren't they? And, he, you know, he started going on and on. I said, brother, I'm 44. What do you think I have to wake up to every day? But, uh, no, that's pretty funny. Back, So it's interesting. Let, let me back up to the chassis. So the first time I saw it was at the 2019 uh, World Rimfire match. I saw Kobe po- post a picture of it on social media. I'm like, Kobe, man, let me check out that chassis or stock. He's like, man, it's kind of heavy. I'm like, yeah, okay. I picked that thing up. I said, what's this thing made out of tungsten? He's like, <laughs> oh, no. He says, uh, I would say, but it's a G-rated show. I said, how much is weight? He said, eight pounds. And I said, baloney. But um, so it's interesting that one of the frustrations, because I do work with a lot of a lot of shooters and, and uh, you know, a lot of junior and kids and stuff like that. And one of the biggest issues that we have is getting a stock to fit the kids and so I've got a partnership with Wyland USA and they make my, you know, Falcon compensator and what have you. And so Todd said, Hey, we need to build a chassis. And, you know, of course I saw Collins um, mod shot. I held, I think the first one back at the 2000, was it 17 or 18 um, us steel shoot. And I told Todd, I said, here's what's missing in the marketplace. You've got a heavy, highly adjustable one for the bet and trust guys. And you've got a mod shot. That's really, really light. But here's the problem. It's a one size fits all. You need to make something adjustable. And so that's where, you know, by seeing Colby stock and Todd wanting to produce something light, that's where we collaborated. And I'm just thankful that I had some input into the Wyland chassis. That's why it's got that buffer tube that moves up and down because, you know, I've got a little bit more of a full cheek over here than some people do. And, you know, I've got short stubby little fingers. And so, you know, you can move the grip 
grip forward and stuff like that. But I think, you know, pushing that level of innovation really, really helps the overall community for sure. I completely agree. And I think even, you know, if you look at like a young kid or a teenager that might be shooting, you know, it's not, they could grow two to three inches from one season to the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you can't always go out there and I mean, everybody's circumstances are different. You can't always afford to go buy a brand new stock or, you know, upgrade oh, yeah. the equipment every single season because your son or daughter has grown Yep. where yep. something like that allows it to adjust with them, which I think is great. Absolutely. And, you know, that's kind of the one thing that I always find even interesting, like it matches, is even though there's a lot of competitors and competing businesses, I don't ever get the feeling like there's a lot of like, oh, I can't show them that because what if they do something where I always take it as if I see something better than what we have is I don't ever want to like copy that. But how can that spur us on to come up with something better or different? You know, so it, like you said, it helps with the innovation all the way around. Ab- absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. there may be, there know, may be otherwise it, aspects of the industry that are very cutthroat when it comes to uh, firearm manufacturers or, or even just equipment suppliers to the, to the industry. But um, everybody seems to be like at the, at the vendor areas or, or that everybody plays nice. And, you know, actually one of the ones that I, I, uh, I find very interesting is, is that Brian has actually, Brian, this is Brian Conley from Hunter's HD gold yes. has actually struck up a friendship with the, the guy that runs Rudy project. And, you know, <laughs> you could look at them and go, they're highly competitive. And Brian's like, you know, we don't consider that. And they and they and they actually find themselves very complimentary, so that is that's great to see. You know, um, Out, outside of we don't want anybody, no competitors in the steel target paint business, but everything else, fair game. <laughs> 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 well, if the if the matches keep using uh, or, or try to keep spending money on the uh, the Walmart, what I call skim milk in a can, and then they. They get a, uh, a can of steel target paint. They're never going to want to go back. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've told people that, you know, it doesn't seem like it seems like white paint should be white paint. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go out and spray a target, but or spray a plate, but it definitely is not. There's there's a big difference. I will give you guys that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I want to talk a little bit about Scott. We've talked a little bit about this a couple of years ago. Um, could you share your company's philosophy or your philosophy around sponsorship? Just number one of matches. And then, and then we get questions all the time, you know, as a team captain, still target paint shooting team, you know, Hey Steve, what are you looking for to be on your team and so on and so forth. And we, you know, bring in a lot of families in the sport and, you know, there's, we've got plenty of world champions to go around, but that's not the only thing that we look for. Can you talk through us a little bit about uh, what your philosophy on number one match sponsorship what you look look for on individual sponsorship with uh, with with people. So our big thing is like when it comes to match sponsorship, is you know obviously the bigger the match, you're always looking at the numbers. But what we like to see is when somebody emails us or reaches out, whether they have 25 shooters planning on attending or 300 shooters, how organized are they in what we're going to get in return for our sponsorship? Sure. You know, and, and I know that a lot of the match directors, you know, it's all volunteer and it's a lot of time on their end. But sometimes if we get a sponsorship 
request that just says, hey, whatever you can send. To us, it, I realize they're trying to just do whatever they can, but to us, it's like, well, how much are they effort are they doing on their end? Right, right. Where I would rather have it be, you know, for X amount of dollars, here's what you get. You know, for this amount, you get this. Even if it's a little, we'd be willing to spend a little more money on those because we know in advance of what we're going to get. Yeah, for sure. And when it comes to sponsored shooters, the biggest thing that we've found is, you know, we obviously get a lot of requests, people, you know, how do we get on your team? How do we do this? The majority of the people that I've ever shot for is we've reached out to them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is when I start going to matches is part of the reason we don't like to set up a vendor tent at times is I like to walk around and watch everybody shoot. And I'll watch for, I want to see how does, you know, somebody that's supposed that's having a great match or a super talented shooter, how do they respond when they just had a horrible stage, whether it be equipment shooter, yes, whatever the reason, how do they respond to other shooters? How do they walk off that stage as, because to me, it's super easy to be easy to get along with when you're winning and everything's going yeah. well. But how are you going to respond when something doesn't go well? You know, and for sure, I've said this a million times. I'm as competitive as anybody and I want our guns to win. But I want our shooters to represent us in a positive light more so than I want them to win. 100%. We, you know, because with, with a number of companies and a number of, of big name sponsored shooters. And it all comes down to some, it, it can be boiled down to one simple sentence. You get noticed for your shooting. You get on a team because of your attitude. 100%. Yes. And, and it's just, I mean, you just go down the line and it, everybody says that. Even, even the people who are sponsored shooters, they even say, and I'm talking Max Michelle, JJ Ricasa, all these guys are said, you know, I got noticed because I, how I shoot, but I got on a team because they believed in my um, attitude and I believed in their product. That's, and that's a great point because, you know, if you win everything, you're obviously going to get noticed, but if you have a terrible attitude and you're wearing our logo, that gets noticed that much more too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and people sure. subliminally tie those two together, you know, because we, we can't be at every match. I don't know. It'd be great if we could, but we can't. So a lot of times these guys are representing our company, our brand, our culture, whatever it might be. And, you know, I, back in the day when we first got into this, we sponsored a girl named uh, Allie Barrett. Mm -hmm. I remember I Allie. Yeah, I would get emails from people that said my daughter went up and asked her a question and she spent a half hour with them. I'm like, so even if at that time that family's not ready to buy his daughter who's just getting into shooting one of our products, it's it's been welcoming to that new shooter and now she wants to keep working at it. Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe down the road they become a customer, maybe not, but if nothing else, you know, you've made that little girl's day and they have a positive outlook or a positive memory of being at that match. You know, because there's a lot of downtime at some of these matches. You can only shoot, you're only shooting so many, 
you know, well, in my case, I get to shoot longer because it takes me longer, but <laughs> I was going to say, Steve, Steve shoots, you know, it's a four hour match. Steve shoots under a minute. I shoot a little <laughs> over a minute, uh, you know, so we're getting more money for our more bang for our buck for our money yes. for what we pay for the match. Cause we're spending more time shooting. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I like to take my time when it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that. <laughs> so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of downtime and a lot of, you know, going back and forth and talking to people where to me, you have to, no matter how your match is going, you have to be willing to sit there and put on that happy face or whatever you want to call it. Because for some of these young kids, or even if it's a adult for new shooters, this might be the only match they're going to go to. And if they have a bad experience, yeah. They may be like, well, that's why I never went in the first place. That's what I thought, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where if they have a great experience and they feel like they can talk to one of the top level shooters, you know, they may be hooked for life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Steve, do you have a do you have a, a Volkortsen firearm story? Because I've got a good one. And it's well, quartz and firearm story. Yeah, I've got a yeah. couple of those, but okay. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you got. Up so this story. is going back a couple of years uh, and I'm, I'm heading to a match and I'm practicing the day before and the gun I was shooting breaks. And I've got a backup gun and I'm like, OK, I'll just shoot that gun. And for the record, the gun that broke wasn't a Volkortsen. And so <laughs> I get up to the match. That was a close one, Jeff. <laughs> God's like, oh, look at the time. <laughs> no. Thanks, so I get, to the, I get to the match, uh, and uh, uh, I'm rooming with Kurt Omensetter. And, 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 and Kurt's a great guy. And uh, I'm looking at the schedule, and I'm like, hey, Kurt, you've got a, you've got a Scorpion, don't you? He goes, yeah. I said, well, well my open gun broke when when you shoot open he goes I'm, I'm shooting open on sunday i said oh man can i shoot your gun on saturday i I'm, he's like sure and uh so i i shoot his gun and we were oddly enough at the time we were both in the same class and uh, uh I, I beat him with his own gun uh <laughs> and uh and i went home and that uh, what i got home on sunday night and I think by Tuesday I had my own scorpion ordered. Uh, so uh, I was going to say we just lost your video there, Scott. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Sorry. <laughs> no. So I so I got my own scorpion, and and that is that is actually still this is now what probably four years later still the scorpion uh, that I shoot when I shoot rimfire pistol open, and uh, I it's it's run like a workhorse. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. There's been a broken spring here, there. Uh, and after four years that's expected. And, and here's the best part. I call up customer service and it's like, Hey, I got this spring broken or this spring broken. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, okay, how much? And they're like, it's a spring. We'll send one to you. It's a spring. You know, I mean, it's not like I'm asking for a brand new bolt or, or anything like that. And so, you know, and that's another thing too, is that is, is a company that stands behind their product uh, and isn't just going, Oh, well, you know, that broke. And uh, you know, even if it shouldn't have broke, I mean, it, that they stand behind it and they know their guns too. Um, I had an issue uh, with some ammo and it was recommended to change the, uh, the recoil spring. 
because that ammo was was too light for the recoil spring I had in there. And this was early, again early on in my career, where you know I knew you know point it that way and and pull that thing and and hopefully you make something go ting, uh, and <laughs> and they were great, you know. And they're like, oh yeah, just just change out this spring and you'll be fine. So. It was refreshing. So, Scott, I just wanted to share that with you because it's, uh, well, it's thank a cute you. little story. And Absolutely. That, and that's the one thing I, you know, that I go back to the camaraderie with the shooting in or shooting competitors is, you know, in a lot of other sports, they're not going to let you borrow their competition. You know, in golf, you're not going to let your loan your clubs to somebody else that might beat you. But yeah. you hear of that a lot of times in shooting where, Oh yeah. Use this or try this one, use this one. And it, you know, and from our standpoint, you know, like with the broken springs and stuff like that, that's the one, the, the selfish aspect that we love about competition shooting is it gives us more feedback that we can get ourselves on the range Yeah, because more rounds are going to go down range, you know, and I'm not saying this is your case, but there's a lot of people that decide they never, ever are going to clean their competition guns which it gives us awesome feedback that we can keep working from. No. So uh, I, I think I can speak for Steve and myself that, that, that I might be a little more anal than he is about cleaning my guns, but we're both. That's probably true. Scott, you know, Zach Grubb. Yes. He yes. Sh- yeah. He shoots uh, scorpions and uh, he, he's talking about, Hey Steve, how often do you, uh, cause I've got a couple of scorpions. He says, man, how often do you, uh, you know, clean blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, I just get a couple new guns every year, man. What's this cleaning crap you're talking about? <laughs> and he thought I was kidding. <laughs> when when uh, Cheyenne Dalton used to shoot more competitively, more matches when she was a little yeah. bit younger, yeah. once a year we would get a box with all her competition guns oh, yeah. that would just have a little note in there, please clean. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought the note would guys, say, help me. <laughs> yeah our guys would like start taking it apart and take the comps off and start cleaning it and start sending pictures of just the residue and the buildup that would come out of her guns. Mm-hmm. And she'd just be like, well, that's why I sent them to you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice. uh, you know, and, and I'm going to share this and, and, and you may believe it. I, I think coming from the industry, you know, for me, Cleaning a gun isn't always about just cleaning the gun. It's also about inspecting it and looking for anything that may be failing. And so you can find it when you're not on the range. So you don't have a problem when you're on the range. Yeah, um, sure. But here's, here's the other great line I used to use, or still use. Uh, and you were talking about how in this community, we all share our guns. And, and I personally believe that the male shooters in this sport could be likened to male peacocks because we paint our guns and we can't wait to have them all looking fancy <laughs> and the feathers are all flashy and we can't wait. I mean, we will, we will not only let somebody borrow the gun, but we'll give them ammo to shoot our gun and, yeah, and, for and put it on social media <laughs> of this person shooting my gun. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Joe Schmo won, but he won with my gun. <laughs> Man, you mentioned it. Hang on a second. Yeah. Hang on. I know I can pull up this picture pretty cool, quick. Um, so I put out a picture on Instagram. I'm not as famous as Scott Volkortson is, but I'm, I'm working <laughs> on it. Jeff. Hang on. It's right. Oh, is that on it? Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So I posted a, a picture of one of my pretty guns that I, uh, that I lasered engraved. It's not a Scorpion. It's a CWA. 
And oh, oh, where's the picture? Anyway, oh no, I I know how I can find it. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, Jeff, tell a joke real quick, would you? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> Wait, no, just say out, all you gotta do I'll is say, say Jeff talk. <laughs> you know, but you mentioned CWA, and I'll say that was the one cool thing. We didn't have World, Rimfire Worlds last year because of obviously the world being shut down. But the year before, I was able to meet um, the guys from CWA, him and his grandson. Yeah, yeah Chet. Chet and the Fox Chet, Boys. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I spent maybe a half hour sitting there talking to him. And I mean, in some ways, we're competitors or whatever, but I'm like, just such a super guy. And the fact that he had his yeah. grandsons with him and they kind of, it was awesome. That, that that's really what drew me to CWA. I don't know if I have I shared the CWA story on this podcast before. No. Okay, so I'll tell that and then I'll show you my uh, my thirty seconds of fame. Thank you for telling that, Scott. So I <laughs> so so I was shooting a, a local match. It was in I don't know early twenty seventeen. It was right after and kind of dovetails in the story with Scott. Is I was shooting for another company that didn't make a full blown firearm, and so I went up and shot the East Coast match, won a certificate. Um, I, I had an exceptional match up there, won a certificate for I don't know if it was all for a Scorpion or you know a significant amount. And so I sent an email to Scott thanking him, and uh, you know he says, "Hey Steve, whenever you get it, you know if you could let me know what you think of the gun and feedback." And I sent him some feedback, and you know it's a fantastic product. So that was pretty cool because at that time I've never met you know, Scott Volkortz and the owner of Volkortz and Firearms that, you know, because I knew Ron and Chase because we grew up, you know, they grew up in this area as well. So I was familiar with the product, but that was, that was really, really cool. So I was making some decisions on what I was going to do. And I had a conflict because of rifles or I, at that point in time, I was kind of leaning towards, you know, whether there was sponsorship or not, to be very frank is I was going to shoot, you know, Volkortz and Scorpions. And that's why I've got, I've got four of them now, but then I was going to also shoot a Volkortz and uh rifle but it didn't time up because of my other sponsorship but it was really cool at that time to to you know get an email or you know facebook message um and i actually looked back at it when i reached out to scott to be on the podcast i was like man that was that was pretty cool scott to to reach out like that but we appreciate you guys support the sport so in the other reason why i think it's okay you know because somebody i posted in the will courtson group you know because i did pick up a couple more scorpions that and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Uh, but I was asking for feedback on cool colors because I'm the peacock. You know, I love different colors. And I can <laughs> big stuff Daddy, and so I, if you've ever seen yeah, the Big Daddy right, gun. Right. So, so I want it to be really, really cool. But one of the reasons why, you know, outside of somebody was in need, so I helped them out with that. But, you know, I've got a lot of folks that come here to train. I do a lot of training. And, you know, not everybody, you know, average CWA is somewhere right around $2,500. The average Scorpion is probably in that 13, 14, you know, Mamba type range you know of course you can yeah. shop for deals and that kind of thing and it's a different it's really a different platform you want a double stack or you want a single stack and you know both are uh, are fantastic guns so that's uh that's that's why i try to have one of everything but uh, don't tell my wife that but here's my 30 <laughs> seconds of fame so i i posted this picture i don't know if you can see that all that well your, so your, that was your a, video's delayed steve so get it up there against it? the camera and just hold it for a second all right i'm i'm holding Drop it, it. You know, that's one of the reasons, Jeff, it's it's really tough. It's one of the things you have to deal with when you have a home range is you get poor internet service. So but anyway, <laughs> hey, third world problems, right? So this is a picture of CWA and there's AMG lap timers and Neely ammo and so on and so forth. But at the bottom, so Donald Trump Jr. liked my post, commented on it, started following me and then started following CWA. 
So I'm famous now. I'm nice. Famous. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's funny. Sorry, but it's still a good one. Uh, unbelievable. I know. I, Trump Jr. Scott, I can't believe he comes back more for this weekly with me. <laughs> well, Scott, I, I do have one more question uh, that something that's that I've always been interested in to, to understand. Uh, and that is, you know, Steve and I are, are competitive shooters. And so, you know, we're looking at, you know, your 22 long rifle offerings, both in pistols and rifles that are going to be for the game of speed. But you've also uh, got uh, 22 uh, Magnum rifles that you create yes. um, for, you know, uh, I'm assuming precision, uh, as well as, you know, uh, hunting. And so, you know, um, the steel, the, the shooting sports that Steve and I participate in, you might think are huge. You go to the world speed shoot and you go, oh, my God, there's 637 guns and and 260 people. And it's small in comparison to a lot of other sports and and some of your other and, and, and that, you know, goes for uh, there's a lot of things like that. I mean, we're we're probably there's probably more people that play chess in central park than, than shoot steel. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Okay. So, but you know, from a perspective, I mean, are you, are you, is your market share more in the, in the, in, in the 22 long rifle for the, for the speed type of things, or is it more in the precision and, and plinking and uh, hunting side? The, like the 17 HMRs and the 22 mags we build, are more probably like small game on the hunting side. Okay. On the 22 LR side, it's become more and more, you know, for a while it seemed like everything had gone speed, but now with some of the NRL 22 competitions and different things, some of the um, more precision stuff seems to be coming back in and becoming more popular. But the one thing that always surprises us is the number of just like, I call them backyard plinkers. And I don't say that negatively in any way, but people that'll spend $1,500 on a 22 and all they're going to do is go in their backyard. But a lot of it comes from, they may not be quote unquote competition shooters that are going to show up at the steel challenge match, but their buddies are coming over on Sunday afternoon and they want to beat them at all costs. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know what that feels like. I, I don't have you know, a competitive so, bone in my body. So it's, it's, yeah. just, it's right in one ear and out the and other. <laughs> the other thing that we've kind of learned over the past, I don't know, five, 10 years, I'm, I assume my dad maybe knew this when he got into the Rimfire market, is it seems like no matter what somebody, what their preference is that they want to shoot, they've always had or learned on a 22. And I'll have guys tell me that they have friends out at their range and they'll shoot the larger caliber stuff in the morning, you know, have some fun, but then they break out the rim fires and they'll do that all afternoon. It's easier on the body. It's, you know, not as much recoil. And typically, I mean, now's a bad time to talk about ammo, but most times you can do it very inexpensively because the ammo is so much less. It's yeah, hey, listen, nice. if you can find 22 or nine, the 22 is still cheaper than the nine or the four yes. or, or the two, two, three. So in comparison, it's still a less expensive venue to, uh, to shoot 22. And we had a guy the other day, he asked me, he even said, he, he said, cause I, I said something about new shooters and he said, but 
nobody buys one of your guns as one of their first rim fires. And I said, you'd be surprised how many people, even if they're a new shooter that are relatively getting into it, they will buy that because they've seen, you know, whether it be Colby or Nate Gibson or whoever it is, you know, they've seen them and they knew that that's what they won with. And that's what they want to start with. So, and, and for us, well, I was just going to say, we had to shift our mindset a little bit that yes, there are new shooters that want to buy our stuff right away versus always thinking that the guy that's going to come by ours is an experienced, you know, been around the block type shooter. Mm-hmm. One of the things we talked about on a previous podcast, Scott, was this exact topic. You know, uh, Jeff and I talked about all the mistakes that we've got in our, <laughs> our gun safe. Um, some we've liquid liquidated, but and in, you know, you mentioned it earlier, sometimes you can only, you know, to get into it, do what you can afford to do. And sometimes that's just yes. buying a Ruger Mark IV. And, you know, uh, that's where companies like Tandem Cross uh, help out with a couple of add-ons here and there to make yeah. it more competitive, more reliable. My feedback to anybody is do what you can afford. If you can afford a twelve, thirteen hundred dollars $1,400, $1,400, $1,500 $1, Scorpion or what I know we're talking about pistols. Or if you can buy a $2,500, $2,000, whatever CWA, there's a reason why the top shooters are shooting those. And, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of folks out there that are shooting these types of products that do not get free guns. They shoot them because they're the best out there. Even, and I won't go through some of the names, but a lot of these, a lot of folks that are out there shooting are not getting free guns. But what they're doing is, is they're buying what they can afford and what they perceive to be the best that they can afford. And there is so much wisdom in that. Don't get me wrong. I know 13, 14, $1,500 or 2000 or $2,500 is a lot of money, but the amount of time that I've spent chasing Springs around the gun room and all that kind of stuff, you know, I, I wish it goes back to what we've talked about too, Steve. It's the reliability, you know, um, there's your, your, there is, uh, clearly, the the scorpion took the ruger architecture from a very solid architecture there's nothing wrong with a ruger architecture but they refined it to a point where you get a much more precision weapon i mean that's how i look at it and 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 i've got a i've got a volcourts and superlight as well and i feel the same way without that Neither one of those. And of course, you know, everybody says my gun never fails. And if you're shooting 22, you're lying because it's 22 (laughs) stuff's going to happen. You're going to get a misfeed. You're going to get a misfire. Statistically, those guns have it way less than any other gun I've ever shot. And like I said, you can't buy your game, but you can buy reliability. And uh, and that's that's huge especially in our game, you know, when, when you you're only getting to throw away one string and, you know, you, you get that one hiccup on a string and it's not your fifth string and you're going, you know, there's like a little pucker factor going, <laughs> Is this gun going to do it again? Or am I going to get through this stage? Well, <laughs> you know, and on our side, it's like walking around at a match and somebody will say, Hey, so-and-so is looking for you. And you know, they're shooting your gun. Yeah. And the first thing that goes to your mind is, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got one yeah. more story. I got one more story. It's another Volkortsen story, and, and this is an, it's another great one. So uh, uh, one of my junior shooters, 
started shooting a 2245 uh, Ruger bull barrel and, uh, you know, stock. And, you know, my first uh, question to my, to the father was, you know, do you love your daughter? And he went, (laughs) I said, I said, okay, I know you can't do it. You can't change the gun. I said, at least get her fiber optic front sights. So fiber optic front sights on that. And she shot that gun for about a year. And I, I, told him, I said, she's ready to have a trigger upgrade. I said, she's, she's getting better and the trigger is holding her back. And so he got the Volkortsen kit and uh, we didn't tell her that we changed it. And uh, so she got up to the line. I said, make ready. And are you ready? Stand by beep. And she pulled the trigger. She pulled one shot, one shot stopped. And the smile on her face was, <laughs> was from ear to ear she's like what did you do to my gun and her dad was there and he's like uh we fixed it honey (laughs) and 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 the gun ran great prior it's just again you guys take the engineering to a refinement that that really fits in with the competition so uh that's another story i love to tell and it falls into a lot with what steve and i we had a, a whole episode where we talked about you know uh, you can buy inexpensive and you can upgrade or as Steve pointed out, if you've got the money, you can get into one of these guns where you're not going to have to do all that, but you've got to have that money up front. And, yes. and there's nothing wrong with either way. Um, and there really isn't, you know, for, for a, a new shooter, uh, you know, I, I, I tend to say, you know, get a, if, you know, you don't know if you're going to like this for the next year or two yeah. years or five years. So, you know, maybe investing in a lesser gun price is the better way to find out if you even like the game, you know. Well, and sometimes I'll even tell people if they're not sure and they don't have the money to spend on a complete gun. I said, there's nothing wrong with starting with a factory gun because you may not even know exactly what you're looking for yet. Mm-hmm. You know, with the various options out there, but at least if you get started, then you can kind of adjust from there. Yep. But if money's holding you back from even getting started, it's impossible to know exactly what you want. So it's like you guys said earlier, start with what you can afford, you know, just get to the range and start working on your technique, your skill set. And then the more you get comfortable behind that trigger, the more you'll be like, okay, you know, like with that little girl you were just talking about. So I can't afford a whole, uh, you know, a, full custom gun yeah but guess what i can put a trigger in and it'll completely change what i have now yeah yeah for the sure. best part about that story is her grip is awesome because it had to be you know and now you know <laughs> yeah, from about yeah, a yeah. four and a half pound trigger pull to probably something you know in the in the in the two range and uh uh, the gun doesn't move. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> well, I, 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 I looked at the dad and I said, well, maybe I'm going to make this a training technique. You're going to shoot a, uh, a tougher gun to shoot for a year and then we'll, <laughs> then we'll upgrade. <laughs> so it's too funny. Well, Scott, is there anything else you'd like to share with the uh, you know, the listening audience? Uh, you know, we really appreciate you being on here. Uh, it's, well, it's, 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 thank you guys like for having said. me on. Yeah, we are. You know, we're excited. Um, matches are taking place again. You know, people are being able to get together, shoot again. We're looking forward to Rimfire Worlds in October. I wasn't ma- able to down to make it down to world speed, but definitely kept up on everything that was going on from our shooters. You know, even everything with Colby, you know, not winning. <laughs> so I can make fun of him. <laughs> Hang on, what, what's that say you broke Colby. up? Say one more, say one more time, Scott. I'm not sure if we heard you. With Colby not winning. The funniest part about that, though, is 
he called one day, this is when he still lived in Idaho. And he's like, yeah, he goes, I just don't have time to practice like I did, you know, cause yeah. he had to, he was going to school. He had a job. I'm like, Oh, so life got in the way, huh? <laughs> but it, welcome to but adulthood I, you punk <laughs> yes but the thing that i will always comp as much crap as i give him the thing that i will always compliment him on is you know he had won like the world rim fire for four straight years yeah and when he got beat it was by one of his teammates nate gibson and there wasn't i mean unless he's the best actor on earth there was i mean i, I know he was disappointed that he didn't win but he was genuinely happy for Nate and he sat there and, you know, had just as much fun as if he had just won, which I think yeah. speaks a lot for a kid that at the time was 19 or 20 years old, you know, so it, it's people like that, that we want to be associated with, Yeah, you know, win or lose, you're still having a good time. And, you know, it's part of life. You're not going to win every match that it, that you go to. And especially as you get older, there's going to be somebody younger, faster, you know, but that doesn't mean you still can't have fun. Yeah, see, that's, sure. where I, that's where I like where I am now, Scott, because I'm, I'm one of the faster old guys. And, <laughs> and so I don't have to, you know, Steve still kicks my butt and Nate kicks my butt and all the kids kick my butt, but I'll just hang out in the old guy category and see what I can do there. <laughs> and <laughs> I always tell those guys, they may be able to beat me, but they will never come up with more excuses than I can on a range. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks All so right. much, Scott, for being on with us. You do have a, a fantastic team. You know, you've got uh, Nate and Bryce and Cole and, and oh, that Colby guy once slips by the goalpost <laughs> every once in a while, but, you know. But, yeah, you've got a great group of uh, representatives there. They're they're fantastic folks. I shot well. Thank I you. Shot with uh, most of them at the World Speed Shoot. Sorry, Bryce couldn't make it, and man, he told me why he yeah, couldn't he, make he's it. That was a bad deal. Woo. Yeah, he's doing better though, and he shot a match. Yeah. He shot area three not too long ago. I saw that. I saw that. He's so back he's, at it. He's back at it, and yep, probably learned a valuable lesson through all that. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure he yeah. did. Yeah, one that yeah. Holdery sticks with him too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it's easy so to think we're invincible at that age, but oh yeah, no, we know we were. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm over. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. 40. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Right, so well, Steve, you know, we we end these podcasts uh, with with you giving out the uh, the uh, uh, the code for Steel Target Paint for our. Our people watching the video, uh, I'm going to put it up there. But uh, for the people listening, why don't you give them what that uh, that discount code is? I, I'm just in awe of that high level of technology you just presented <laughs> to our listeners. I mean, talk about best in class all for an hour. Yeah, did, was that Cran or was that a marker, Jeff? It was. It was so, a Sharpie. <laughs> Oh really? Okay. Yep, and and it was written when you were talking with Scott. It was a last minute. You know, again, if we can't have fun on this, if 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 I can't have a little fun, you know, you know the old the old <laughs> adage: if they're not laughing with me, but they're laughing at me, at least they're laughing. So you know, at least I'm they're laughing. At least it was a name brand marker. I was, I was impressed. <laughs> but uh, if you want ten percent off rainstore.net, go to stpodcast10. Thanks, everybody. Have a good. All night. right. Good night, everybody.